Welcome back to Incremental, the Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Uriel Eisen. And I'm Devin Bedoni. And this is our practice edition for the week. And uh, really mixing it up here, you have the quote. Oh my God. Um, Again, from Aton. <laughs> Thank you, Aton. <laughs> if you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. Napoleon Hill, whoever that is. Um, I was just saying that this kind of hits home for me. And I was actually having this discussion with several of my friends recently, hmm. uh, of my generation. I think you're a little younger than me. Anyway, I'm mm -hmm. late thirties now, Yeah, but I feel like many of us of this generation, the, the early millennials, um, grew up with this, like, you can do anything. You're going to change the world. You're going to be amazing. Like, go out and knock it out of the park champ and i think a lot of us now are finding ourselves in this approaching approaching middle age like in this period of life being like i like my example like i just i'm trying to run a business a small business decently like <laughs> yeah i'm not changing the world and one of my friends was like i raise kids i try and do it good but i'm just raising kids <laughs> you know and i think there's a lot of in this in the US especially just so much like yeah be exceptional be yeah. incredible change the world and sometimes you're just like yeah you just got to live your life and not be a jerk i wouldn't even say sometimes i would say inherently yeah. <laughs> it has to be a large majority of the time cuz otherwise there is no exceptional right, right. exceptional <laughs> is relative it's true yeah yeah and we just are all aspiring to be the next billionaire or whatever. And it's kind of like, that's not sustainable. But yeah. just gotta just, just be, just be. And I think if everyone is just being, uh, and doing a good job at it, the world, there's a lot of room for improvement. Then we'll have an exceptional world instead yeah, of right, some exceptional right? people Yeah, in a messed up world. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to give the means of production back to the people. No. <laughs> Total Whoa. joke. Whoa. <laughs> um, no. Anyway. Uh, kidding, not kidding. Uh, I, I, we don't need to get into that here. Uh, We're the people. We're producing things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Give the means of improvement back to the people. Yeah, yeah. We're making a strong effort. Go to the Gemba. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the Gemba. Um, well, I have some small little things and then, uh, some kind of bigger in process continued discussion. Awesome. Um, some little things Coram walked up to me the other day. <laughs> we, we use like avalanche shovels mm -hmm. to scoop our chips out of our machines. Yep. Just cause we happen to both have avalanche shovels and, or I had my old avalanche shovel and I'm like, I don't ski anymore. <laughs> so I, I grabbed it and brought it to the shop a while ago. And then he's not really using his, and he just brought his in. Okay. He, I'm, like, working at my computer, and he walks up to me and holds up the avalanche shovel, <laughs> and he just, like, peppered it with holes. <laughs> <laughs> because we have this thing. We go to scoop chips, and they're fully saturated still. Uh -huh. And if you don't hold them there with the, aval with the yeah. shovel tilted for a while, you get all this coolant. So, that would be the waste of waiting. Yeah. So now... Uh, Interesting. The, the shovel drains the coolant because it's effectively a, a strainer. I thought you drilled holes in the bottom of your pails. We do that as well. 
but that's just one more. It's cool, better if they just stay in the machine. Yeah, no, the or holes the, make a lot of sense. The coolant stays in the machine. Interesting. Yeah, so if anybody wants to get buck wild on their shovels today, knock yourselves out. It was yeah. helpful. <laughs> um, we uh, ordered fine filter bags for our coolant filtration. Oh, cool. So the Freddy vacuum comes with a 10 micron. Okay. We were still finding, like, we will filter out, we'll pump into a garbage can usually, and then do the final vacuum, pump that back into the vacuum, out of the garbage can, and then into the machine. Uh-huh. So it's going through the filter twice. We are still filing, finding a lot of, like, kind of like silt size stuff. Okay. Like, it's just kind of making it murky. Which, again, I don't know if you would notice this if you had white coolant. I think because right. ours is clear, it's easier to see kind of this like very like vague gray haze. Okay. Um, but I want to get away from that being a thing. Mm-hmm. So we ordered some 5 micron bags that don't go in the machine, in the Freddy. But the plan is to, when we pump into the garbage can. Put it over the, put it in the garbage can. Yeah. Oh, run, cool. run it through that see how it works yeah so nice. they, they just came yeah friday okay so we'll try them out today um how's the freddy it's good nice yeah we were having an issue in the saw and ariel and i tag teamed on it and we did a like a full clean out of the saw in i don't know 20 minutes nice and the saw is especially annoying like it has all of this you have to unbolt all of this like drain pan stuff and then you need one person to hold up the auger because you can't actually Mm. take the auger out because of how the hydraulic hoses are gotcha which as i said that we should probably just cut that metal that blocks it so that we can oh take take it out out. but anyway it's it's a like a task you gotta take a bunch of stuff off um but uh nice that helped a lot and then on our white on our meeting whiteboard we just made a spot to log tool ids that have bad information oh very smart yeah i think this is something i yeah we've talked about this but basically like designing in systems for how things get fixed yeah do you know what i mean like sometimes it's just this huge lift and there's no yeah that's great because i just didn't have it like she would ariel would be like is this right and i'd be like no but i'd be in the middle of something else right and so i wouldn't have like the bandwidth to switch tasks go open my tool library sure. and like make the edit at that moment yeah and she was having to interrupt me which i think she felt bad about mm-hmm. so now whenever a bad tool or like a that's awesome a likely bad tool id comes through she can she can flag it where it, usually the issue is a stick out yeah that was not correct um that's awesome nice and we started by started i mean we made a space okay on our playbook um because they ariel and corum both kind of brought it up on how to prioritize basically what we were talking about last episode okay how to prioritize their labor Mm -hmm. when there's a lot of different things to do because um you know right now ariel does a lot of like admin stuff of like rfqs and shipping rfqs to vendors and shipping and that kind of communication and all of our anodizing shipping and stuff and she's also doing a lot of setups and so she's kind of doing right. the, doing the juggle now doing the dance yeah yeah and she, so yeah we had a, a short discussion on like how we were going to handle that prioritization and brought up the playbook idea uh-huh and so i just made a place in our air table 
kind of documents tab. Okay. And just named a few, and we're going to start filling them out slowly through discussion, I think. Um, we basically just, right now, I'm just thinking we're going to have three, basically, like, on the back foot, like, smooth, machine priority, smooth running, okay, and, like, ahead of schedule. Because I think those are kind of the three states we find ourselves in. Maybe we'll break it down differently as yeah. as things progress. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I bet even just those three is going to be, like, extremely illuminating to just be like, we are ahead schedule. And then having just a list of things that that means you shift your attention to. Yeah. Because as you're sort of, like, just hearing you say that, I do feel like that change of mindset is maybe the challenging part. It is. And I think so, like we were talking about. Because you're like, about. I'm under the gun for three weeks. And then you come out of that and you're like, what oh, do I do yeah. <laughs> now? And like we said at last episode, like when you've spent a lot of time, which I think is common as a small business, orienting around stress as your organizing principle. Right. When you come out of that, often we're very hapless. Yeah. And just kind of like, uh, I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to make coffee. Right. Instead of like... Yeah, you're probably looking at a dip in sales in three weeks unless yeah. you kind of start hitting that now. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not a good it's not a good thing. <laughs> right. Interesting. That's very cool. Yeah. The rest of it's big, so maybe we should hit some of your... Okay, uh, yeah. So uh, more SOPs, just nailing them down. Um, as mentioned last episode, in the process of making them, there was a great insight by Sam, which is basically that if it's hard to make an SOP, it's probably also hard to do the process or a very knowledge heavy or very like, anyway, in need of simplification and improvement. Mm -hmm. um, but just getting those SOPs we've found to be, like we're getting to a point where the, the processes that don't have SOPs feel like uh, they're in the stone age. Like <laughs> it's just like ambiguous. It's really, I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. Those processes <laughs> are naked and afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's and like, yeah, it's, it's the biggest thing is not even at the moment. We don't lean on the SOPs very heavily because it is a small shop, not yeah. a ton of things to do. But just having it there means li like you were sort of saying about your bad tool ID, just a place to modify it. If mm -hmm. there is something that needs to be changed, it's really easy to just write it on the SOP with a Sharpie or something. Yeah. And then, it, you know, it's logged, you know, it's captured. Yeah. Um, and it's it's cool it's very interesting it feels like busy work and just like another thing to do which it sort obviously of is. is another thing to do and it's a big lift yeah um but it's been really helpful yeah um i have kind of a silly one but um <laughs> when you're buying pasta i started buying shapes that are easy to drain with the <laughs> lid um Anyway, so that's just a little something to think about. <laughs> um, I mean, it is interesting in like just the bigger picture of like thinking about the whole process yeah. at every stage. I mean, we keep coming back to the kitchen as a very relatable um, yeah. production process that everyone does for the most part mm -hmm. and is not, I, I would say, is not very thoroughly examined. I mean, we were sort of having the conversation of what do people naturally optimize for, and I think it depends on the person. But um, anyway, if you don't have a strong preference for pasta shape for a particular dish, you can pick one that just drains really easily with the lid instead of having to dirty a colander or like sit there waiting and trying to keep the noodles from slipping out. So is it, <clears throat> in your experience, <clears throat> is it small shapes primarily, not like, long like spaghetti style. yeah the spaghetti is the worst for sure uh -huh. but the, the corkscrews are quite good i think they drain <laughs> in any orientation 
Um, I forget what they're called. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, um, <laughs> this is a, a more <laughs> more production related improvement. Um, so we've broken two roughing mills in the past week huh. because your saw no <laughs> so so you guys cut our stock and it leaves that little like burr yeah and in one of our you know lesson learned but in one of our uh or one of our parts we rest it up on the cut end which uh, was a mistake uh-huh. from a design engineering standpoint yeah. but it's been like that for a long time and yeah. it is working and I was kind of trying to figure out a good way to remove that burr. And then I was thinking, like, could we get you guys to cut it on the other side so that the burr is, but, like, the clamp, it would be unstable. So, anyway, like, to put the burr on the longer edge instead of the shorter edge. But it would mean stacking the bars in the saw the oh. wrong way. Yeah. Um, and then I, was, I just realized I could just mill into the top of the soft jaws so that there's clearance for all burrs. Oh. So that's what I did. I just nice. added a little slot where the burr lands and so now if there is a burr it just won't push the part up yeah um i did have a moment of hesitation which we'll see if it was warranted where i was like i am making a change on the fly to a production tool yeah yep tbd i just (laughs) made the mod yesterday so we'll see if it messes anything up there's a chance it does which would be a bummer but yeah i don't i couldn't think Anyway, we'll see. In our spindle gripper processes, we've had a similar similar but different issue when we've been using um, Mighty Bite Talon grips mm-hmm. for Op 1. Yep. And sometimes, like, because of the way our hole pattern is spaced in our, in our jaws, sometimes we'll have two on either side, and they'll end up, like, right at the end of the part. Yep. And that fin will sit like it'll drop and the fin will sit on top of the mighty bite and not allow the part to fall. And so we've had, whenever we're doing those processes, we have to remove that Yeah. or align it so that it is in a different direction. Right. But, um, usually we just go ahead and remove (coughs) it, but that's, you have a lot of parts. It'd be a pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pre tumble it maybe. I wonder if that would knock it off. It's all right. That's where I was going with this. I was like, could I add a brush? Could I pick up the part in the spindle gripper and take it over to some operation? Yeah. On and on. Then I was like, I think I could just, I like that. The other option is right to just always put it up, but that's, yeah, it's just right to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's hard, like, you know, you're loading 40 parts in this tray and it's like, it definitely adds time to have to inspect every single one. Yeah, for sure. Especially because it doesn't reliably have it. Mm-hmm. So just checking to make sure it's on top wouldn't be sufficient, mm. right? Because sometimes it's on neither end. Um, <laughs> so that's good. Another uh, silly uh, life SOP um, improvement is uh, when you want to change your sheets, if you strip the bed in the morning, wash them, dry them when you get home, Put them back on the bed you don't have to fold them so <laughs> that's all we need to have a third weekly episode that's just just li- life hacks from uriel <laughs> so there's a very funny youtube video of someone applying lean to their life uh-huh. they're not joking about it yeah and it is yeah very efficient <laughs> um yeah my wife was like if you want to lean out our like our our home life is a little chaotic. Sometimes. Yeah, we live in a tiny house with a toddler, and <laughs> yeah, uh, 
both busy, etc. It gets a little crazy in there. And she's like, if you want to lean out my our life, like be my guest. And I was like, hmm, I don't think you'd actually want that. <laughs> also, it requires buy-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, now, there are some little things that are, that are nice to do. And I, I think a lot of it, uh, like in the factory, same thing. I think it can feel like you're sort of losing your humanity. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's small things I want to do for like, mostly for like grocery reordering, like things that are easy to be like, totally. This is a spot we put empty spice bags. Yeah. So that we know, and we just take it with us and then we refill it instead of being like, what's adding it to a list and making right. a new, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, I'm curious about your designated area to start a pen is that a f- what's a pen oh yes um like a work in progress pen or a like no so there's a pen we use to to write a little note to each customer oh. and sometimes it runs out <laughs> gotcha uh yeah run not runs out you know when you have to start a pen like it, it, like yeah. it's not writing well so you need something to scribble on uh-huh so i saw sam added a designated scribbling page that is taped down to the desk and i was I like it. that's awesome <laughs> yeah noticing those little things that are annoying yeah and recurring yeah so anyway that's one <laughs> not sexy but pretty cool yeah yeah exactly <laughs> cool well i was going to jump into my ongoing job board organization yeah a little bit um you and i had a couple phone conversations during the week about kind of like what to optimize for um I've, I think I have a pretty clear idea of what I want to do now. And so just to, as a little refresher, basically it is attempting to schedule jobs on machines or Kanban activities around the shop. It's or? attempting to Kanban our processes that we do in the shop based on time duration. Or really just generally, and your current thought is that time is the just unit. Just generally, yes. But okay. I think I think time's going to be the unit. Okay. Um, and I think, so we had talked a little bit about like the, the ability to see when changeovers are going to overlap. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think getting to that level of granularity is going to be a little difficult. Yeah. So I think I'm going to avoid that for now. Yeah coming back to kind of like Kanban principles themselves, like Mm -hmm. regardless of application, one of the seems like one of the beauties of it to me is that you don't have to have any visibility into the internals of a unit. If that makes sense. Like Uh, not quite the whole concept being that like when a thing triggers, that's the, that's the unit of information is like a triggered unit Mm -hmm. having and granularity for like how many are in your bin is not important. Right. Because you've done the work ahead of time to figure out yeah. how to structure your Kanban. Yeah. And so okay. when I was looking at like trying to like see when uh, setups were going to overlap and stuff, that would require like, you know, like updating on a half day basis, like where things are in progress within that right. unit. And I was kind of like, mm, I don't think, <laughs> A, I don't think we're quite to that level yet yeah and b it's just not going to happen like we're yeah, going to forget yeah. and it's going to be bad information right so kind of what i'm coming back towards is like don't require that there be any visibility aside from triggered versus not triggered uh-huh that um, makes sense <clears throat> which i'm kind of excited about one thing i am sort of my guiding principle i think in this is gonna 
or a large goal is going to be to try and shorten our stock ordered to part delivered window. Oh, interesting. Because we, we of a, cash flow? Because of cash flow. Yeah. Okay. So we end up with a lot of material tied up in, or money tied up in uncut material mm-hmm. as safety because we want to make sure we have flexibility to work on whatever we need to. Okay. Um, and so I think generally speaking, we have a maximum seven day, assuming things are in stock, seven day lead time. Right. So I want to lay it out so that from... Sometimes it's more because if you order on like a... The delivery's Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, but that's only for sauce cut stuff. Never mind. Oh, yeah. There's a few days lead time. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, I want to lay it out so that in the Kanban layout mm-hmm. from on the machine back to ordering stock is at least seven days. Okay. So that a job that lands from the like general queue into the work in it's kind of a work in progress board right as well a process work in process work in progress both yeah uh when it lands on that board we can make sure we have material in time so that by the time it's gone through the subsequent steps Mm -hmm. the material's here and ready to saw right um so i think that will be if we can kind of nail this i think that's going to be a huge benefit interesting and then one thing I did was I ordered a bunch of, I was trying to figure out like how we're going to carry this information in our little like one by four job tags. There's just not enough physical space. Okay. So I think we're going to make like a four by six, probably like just use shipping labels mm-hmm. that have a, um, they'll basically have a pre-printed checklist, I think for all of our potential processes okay. that we do in the shop. Yeah. And there will be like a needs, a needs column and a done column. And so when we populate a job to the board, we will check off the needs. Mm -hmm. And then as it moves through the process, we'll check off the done. And those are going to be things that are non-dependent. So, or things that you need, um, visibility into prior that the Kanban process is not gonna, not gonna generate. So things like sending an RFQ for, post-processing okay like that can happen anywhere in a certain stage of the progress process it doesn't have to be its own kanban gotcha thing um and there's other things that are like that so you're kanbaning things that take time kind of basically yeah and that are dependent processes like what do you mean dependent like you have to program a part before and you have to saw a part before you can machine a part. But you also have to get an RFQ before shipping. Yes, exactly. But that's not Kanban. That will be, I think, uh, it'll, there will be kind of like a cutoff line, I think, where like all these things have to be done prior, gotcha. prior okay. to. Yeah. Um, so that's my rough thinking at the moment. Okay. And then one thing that I was kind of excited about is I got... I was trying to figure out just how to organize all this stuff, mm-hmm. like physically. That's going to be my next question. Yeah. yeah. Cause we're going to have this four by six label and then we're going to have a bunch of these little one by four labels that we can use to put on trays and stock okay. and, all, and all that jazz. So I just ordered some magnetic, um, like paper, not paper clips, but like yeah. alligator clips, not alligator clips. Those are electrical know. tools that you know no, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like a binder clip. A with bind- a magnet on it. So yeah. it sticks to the fridge or yeah. CNC. Or- and I got colored ones. 
Oh, like where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> and I, my thinking is that I'm going to organize color by due, like color by due date. Okay. And that we'll have basically four weeks of color sequencing and it'll just be like a week grouping. Okay. So like, we'll just at the top of the board have like this, week whatever is... green, blue, yellow, red or whatever. Uh-huh. And like this week is green. This week is, you know, and then we can just kind of cycle them through from yep. front to back. Um, and that way we can get a really clear visibility into if something is like seriously behind schedule in a four week, have a four week like head, head start on if something is going to be late. Okay. I guess what I'm not understanding is the time element. Like how, how does this get triggered? Where do the Kanbans oh, right. go? Cause it seems like the time element is irrelevant unless your Kanban triggers production that lasts for weeks. So maybe it does last for weeks. Well, no. So the way I'm thinking about it right now is that each job traveler, so the Kanbans are not going to be actual cards, right? They're just going to be spaces. Spaces on the board? Spaces on the board. Okay. And the concept I'm working with right now is that each job traveler will have a number on it between one and six. Okay. What I'm going for is three days buffer. Okay. In any process. We'll have a number between one and six that will equal the number of half days it can run. Okay. Or it's expected to run. And that each Kanban category on the board <coughs> will s- require a a total of six units to be in its thing to be full. Okay. But you probably don't care about all of them, right? Like sawing stock. It's like if this, if the saw is idle, that's fine. Yes. But it's still, it's going to be based around the machine runtime. Got it. Okay. Cause that's kind of like, that's our I main see. value add. And yep. that's, I hesitate to say, hesitate to say it's our bottleneck, but in the sense that all, everything we make goes through those, it is our bottleneck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to group it by that to say that the shop as a I whole see. has... The cadence is driven by how long it will take to machine. Yeah. Okay. And so like I'm going to say, and I figure if there's like a large one through six number, we're decently good at doing like simple arithmetic, simple mm-hmm. addition in our heads. We can look at a column and say, oh, there's a three, a two, but there's not a one. That one's only at, it's only full to... Mm-hmm to five it needs to be full to six i'm not quite picturing the system can you would it be useful to walk through like so if you get an order for a thousand parts yeah what happens um it's still a six no sorry so you get an order (laughs) you Uh print out a few kanbans because it's a few sixes or i think we would still print out one so you'd print out one four by six thing that hangs on the board yes. that tells you which things it, that which things need to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're also we are going to need, I think, to have sort of for the due date part and the color coding, mm-hmm. uh, sort of an irrelevant category for things that don't fit within, like like a six week run job that's not going to fit within that four week window. That's going to be kind of like a. This is an edge case. Right, right, right. Don't don't use this in the normal yeah. system. Okay. 
if that's where you were going with that? No, I guess. So it seems like when we originally started talking about it, this was sort of a question of solving for, okay, maybe I'm understanding solving for where to put your time, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, do I need to be programming now? Do I need to be doing sales? Excuse me. (laughs) Um, And so the idea is that you put all these things on the board, you get a, you can see which processes sort of have a queue. Yes. And right now you can't see that? Not, not easily. No. Because you don't, because right now it doesn't tell you in what order things hit a particular station? Yeah. Right now you can see sort of the status of each individual part number. Uh huh. But it's hard to compare across part numbers. And it's hard to compare across work. Maybe more importantly, it's hard to compare across workstations what all is set up for that workstation because there's a lot of noise. Got it. So Vis- how does this noise. solve that? On your board, each horizontal line is yeah. a step. I and was sorry. I was imagining it vertically. but Okay. Yeah. So every vertical line is a step in the process. You're mm-hmm. working left to right. Mm-hmm. So initially we'll have a first step that's like, order material uh-huh. for example so when we when well maybe we should start at the right side like sh- shipping for example empties out we know that we need to pull something from or let's see let's not start at shipping because that that's sort of a push scenario let's start at machining okay so let's say machining has um six half days on a workstation mm-hmm and then one of those completes. So we slide the whole traveler okay. from from the machining to the next, which we'll yep. say is tumbling. Okay. So now we see that there's only a total of, say, three in that workstation. We know that it's not at we want to not at the buffer that we want to have. So, so you'd pull apart from programming in, and then programming suddenly doesn't have three days of buffer. I or? think at that point we're going to have to have a queue. Basically, it's not going to get pulled in until it gets set up. But we'll probably have like, uh, we'll probably have a buffer between programming and machine run mm-hmm. or something of parts that are ready to be set up. Ready to be set up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you would. Well, you probably would pull in the next. I'm going to think through the details of this a little bit, but on the machine at any one time, there's only going to be one. Yep. So yes, you would pull from the buffer queue onto the machine. Yep. Then that buffer queue lowers. So then you see that you need to pull from programming. So that lowers. And then you see you need to do some programming. And then it flows back until at some point stock ordering is empty and you pull mach- you pull new jobs in from your general queue into stock ordering. Gotcha. It breaks down a little bit for multi-process parts that go from one machine to the next. Mm-hmm. But again, I think maybe we'll just make some placeholders or print a second Right. Second traveler. Solve that problem and then maybe Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That sounds So I think so that will solve basically being able to see where to put your time would be yeah. the goal. To not have a day where you're like, Oh wow, we don't have enough stuff programmed for that or something like that. Yeah, I think it also like assuming our <clears throat> estimates are decent, I was thinking that we would make little like pre-staging 
bins mm-hmm. based on our week color due date things. Okay. And it should be fairly quick to do a little add up of everything that's in that bin and see if we're overscheduled. I'm not sure what that means. So like, let's say we assume we have on a workstation, let's say 30 hours of actual runtime available. Yeah. Apparently it's more like 20 based on last episode's calculations. <laughs> right. But let's say we have, let's say it's 30 hours for conversation's sake and we can look at everything that's in that, in that bin and add up the numbers and say, this is more than that. Okay. We're overscheduled for this week. We need to see what we can do to re- to reshuffle things before it's even arrived on the work in progress board. Gotcha. I see. And we can also see, okay, uh, right now we're working on color green um this stuff goes back to we're we're only on color green and looking in our bins we have a bunch of stuff for for whatever the next color that's not going to make it there in time we're going to be late on those we got to figure out how to deal with that or something interesting i haven't fully thought through all of that yet but i think there's a rough architecture that's going to allow us to get yeah. closer Thoughts. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's a little hard without seeing it. Yeah, a little hard without seeing it. Um, I think it's sort of a Kanban system, but centralized on one board. Yeah, right? as we are talking through this, I'm realizing that probably the the because there's not multiple bins and there's not any actual cards, we probably need to have a full and a trigger, two different levels in each um in each uh buffer buffer basically to say like okay you fill it till you get to a six yeah and then once it hits a three you start to fill it again you want to have a minimum buffer of a day and a half for each situ for each uh category or process right but if you just like are always like playing whack-a-mole on everyone that's down from six that could get a little bit confusing so there probably needs to be like we it could be that said the closer it is to that ratio right for every part you program you run a job Uh so actually you're sort of talking by changing those triggers you will end up increasing your batch sizes of like programming right so now you have like right to do a bunch of programming which maybe is beneficial and i think to your point about playing whack-a-mole is doing like a million task changes mm-hmm. a day. And by a million, I mean like six instead of two. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just is sometimes a lot less effective. So maybe that is better to have those at different levels. Uh-huh. Um, I think, I mean, this is a total guess. I think it would be useful to have pretty good visibility into your bin. Um, so at a glance, even if it hasn't hit a trigger. Yeah you could know which thing needs topping off if it's convenient kind of so maybe try and even do like a double a double column for each process or something that's like what does the double column do uh for the trigger point so you can like very clearly see when the trigger point is empty yeah something i'm wondering if there's a clever i can't think of one but i would guess that there's some like complex board game Mm -hmm. that has come up with a very clever system of showing different like cue like because each kanban is going to have some a number on it that Mm -hmm. refers to half days yep that is 
a lot of like to get any information out of that, you sort of have to stand there and add them all up. Sure. Right. And so I wonder if there's a way to print like a bar on the side that m- makes them stack appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about that. It's I hard mean, when it the, starts covering up information. Uh, a bar on the side of the uh, the traveler, maybe. And so, you, if you just when you stick it up on the board, you always line up those bars. So, like a, a short job would only show like a yeah. small sliver, but then you can't read the right. traveler. <laughs> I know that's what I was coming. I was like, yeah. we need to have this unified thing. A for like ease of printing them. Yeah in having a template and all that. But we also need to show visually somehow change in duration. What would happen? This is kind of weird. What would happen if you displayed the cards cascading down the board at a diagonal such that their left to right orient uh, position reflected like a Gantt chart, right? Uh-huh. A Gantt chart cascades. <laughs> coming back to people have done this before (laughs) well yeah but uh, like uh, arranging your board such that you can essentially build a gantt chart so your left to right position tells you how long it's going to last uh-huh relative to the one above it kind of or relative to the board yeah i don't know anyway it starts yeah skip that (laughs) i guess that (laughs) seems like the challenge maybe is that i think it's gonna probably i mean it seems like a great next step yeah it seems like it may be it may not be visual enough yet but i don't i can't think of how to make it visual what i was thinking like and if we did the double column per process where one was like basically be like let's say we want to have six half days per process yeah but it triggers at three we basically have the right the right column b3 and the left column b3 okay and it's pretty easy to do the, the mental math for one workstation right and one um one group for if that equals three uh-huh and then if it doesn't like you just move from the left until it equals three and then it's easy to see okay we have an empty or a partially empty column right well, i mean it right. doesn't actually trigger until it's empty right so you don't right give right, it right. any attention until there's nothing there so I don't know. I was thinking yeah. about breaking the mental math into little chunks. Yeah. I suppose it. depending on how you're using it, you could maybe just have magnetic little coins or little, like they look like a little pawn, right? Uh, yeah. Of the number of dots in that bin. And then when you grab a, con- a, 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 a traveler, yeah, you could, sub- you could just pull those. Oh, or uh-huh. something. So that would start to be a visual token. So you do the math once. On an ongoing basis, you could see the sum. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it seems like there's going to be a million solutions and you'll know what the best one is. Right. Now, it's good to think through those. That that's like adds a process to updating it, but it also adds a lot of visibility. So it might be definitely yeah, might be worth it. I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. Um, interesting. It is definitely making me think if like we can eventually move this back to digital right but i do i really do i'm feeling 100 percent good about working this all out (laughs) in the physical instead of trying to build it from scratch in digital right off the bat because we're already through like a couple iterations and this is going to be a big whole different iteration 
With minimal cost of like developing the system. Yeah. You don't have to program it. It's just yeah. like and like to figure out what our template is for like what information is on that traveler. Yeah. Like I think I'm just gonna I mean, maybe I'll print out some things because it'll probably be faster than handwriting out a bunch of note cards to right. test with. But I think we're just going to make like 20 or something and do the next Interesting. 20 jobs with a template and be like, okay, what information is missing here? What do we need to add? Very cool. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, make a little video for the, put it up on Instagram so people can see what we're talking about. If That means I have to actually make it. Yeah, <laughs> at some point. No, it's, it's on the list. for It was on the list for last week, but then we had some... A couple very challenging days, ah. <clears throat> which uh, we talked on the phone. I mentioned it was kind. Of, it was actually pretty cool. In the moment, I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what the heck?" And then that evening, looking back, I was kind of like, "You know what? This was a unusually like it was a. There was a few things we probably could have done preemptively to help, mm-hmm. but it was some stuff out of our control. <laughs> and looking back on it, at the end of the day, I was like. A, that doesn't happen very often anymore, which is a big, huge step. Yeah. I feel like that was more my my MO for a lot of years. That's your standard operating procedure. Yeah. <laughs> run around with your hair on fire. <laughs> and these days things run fairly smooth. And then uh, secondarily, we still kept two machines running the whole day and set up another one by the end of the day. And I was kind oh, of nice. like, you know, actually this was a, pretty successful day it just felt a little chaotic interesting it it was the issue was we had a bunch of stock that did i mention this already that was warped oh you did mention the warp stuff so we got this big order of stock and we started discovering in process that a significant portion of it was warped i contacted the supplier and they were like ah that's within the spec we guarantee we're holding it with vacuum so it needs to be pretty flat to, to hold it and so we had just started setting aside the warped pieces. Yeah. And we talked about how we were going to bend it back. And then it finally got to the point where we were through all of the good material. I see. And I was like, so what's the status on that? And Corum was like, well, all the ideas we had for bending it back didn't work. <laughs> and I was like, brutal. Oh, okay. So how would your Kanban system fix that? Would you just move some of that stock to non-available or something? To sh- like, could you surface that problem on this new system? I don't think. Well, I don't know. I'd have to think through it more. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if it would be worth having like a red. Well, I wonder if it would be worth having some color. Like you start adding stars to your current board. Yeah. That is sort of like, hey, there is a problem that needs to get resolved. <clears throat> and yeah. you could sort of put it spatially in your process to see like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's worth thinking about. Or like, could you write a date on a little gold star for like a thing that needs to be resolved by a certain date, but then you're sort of doing some, yeah, I don't know. I think what I'm trying to tackle now is like our, like 80% of our job flow Uh and getting that to work really well. That makes sense. And once we get there, hopefully knock on wood, then we can start attacking kind of these, these special use cases. Yeah. And also like, Theoretically, if the 80% is going really well, we're going to have a fair amount of bandwidth to figure out how to handle totally. these, these edge cases. I feel like Pareto is on your side here of 80-20. Yeah. 80% of the results for 20% of the effort. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I feel like digging into all those edge cases and trying to solve them off the bat would be 
a waste of time because they probably won't work anyway. <laughs> right. It's all probably going to be like, okay, what we learned is yeah. these things and we'll modify it in these ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that day was all of a sudden one of our employees was busy at a someone else's shop for a significant portion of two days flattening stock and and the machine was idle the machine was idle uh what did we do uh the other thing was like a somewhat emergency chip run we were doing some (laughs) some big hog out parts and uh yeah all of a sudden it was like oh this is today that we have to take or this is not tomorrow this is today we actually we actually knew it the day before we just we were planning on it and it had to happen that day we were not planning on the uh the stock flattening issue being an out of out of the shop situation so what ended up happening is they both were gone and i ran the shop for the rest of the day i see forgot a meeting and stood someone up Ah, (laughs) but but the machines kept going so that was cool nice yeah um felt like a little rambly there but anyhow um any other things we wanted to tackle for today um I did have a, a thought on your chips and hearing you say that it occurred to me this probably doesn't wouldn't make sense but I wonder if well firstly that you could Kanban your chip runs so you knew when it was gonna I don't know this whole thing sort of comes back to like <laughs> where things need to be in time yeah and it's very hard to make that happen without very good information yeah and confidence in that information yeah yeah so it's probably not worth it but i guess the other thing i was just thinking is it's wasteful to scoop the chips from the cnc into a bucket into a trash can that then gets brought over to the other mm-hmm. like you have gaylords right they're ibc totes okay they then dump the yes. chips into so that's another transfer would it work to just have more trash cans that take up the same space and get rid of the gaylords they don't take up the same space they take up way more space way more space yeah yeah damn that's the issue yeah makes sense i did something more like that for a long time there's i mean there's a lot of aspects about the ibc totes that are like they're hard to handle um without a forklift right um but their space saving is pretty significant yeah um <clears throat> we can and you can carry them in a truck they they like very they're very well optimized for a truck size you gotcha can, you can get two in the back of a full-size pickup yeah and that is usually around two thousand pounds of material that we can haul in one go gotcha um so it <clears throat> it makes pretty good use of that human time as well because yeah. at least we're making some amount of money on the scrap run um i don't love our system it's it's a symptom of being on private property back in the woods. Like eventually I just want to have a, right. Have a, uh, a dumpster that they yeah. come and get. Like, yes. I hate my current system. Uh, so, yeah, but I do think, well, there's, there's two benefits to the double transfer. One is that the, they drain. Yeah. So I think that helps a lot with like coolant reclamation, but more importantly, just not sending coolant to the scrapyard, which th- they find very annoying for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then just being able handling amounts that are easy to handle as a person and definitely that that's why i was yeah. thinking if you kept them in trash bins yeah it would be a lighter weight thing to move but trash bin, they're expensive i mean yeah. not that that no, should no. be the limiting they factor but like a good brute trash can is yeah. not cheap these yeah. days 
um, in this economy. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> we are doing our titanium chips in trash cans to keep them separated. Yeah. And then <clears throat> the last few weeks we've been mostly running aluminum. So we've been keeping our steel and stainless chips in trash cans and just filling the IBC totes. Oh, with gotcha. Aluminum. Cause we get like three times the price for straight aluminum. Oh, nice. And then it, mixed, which ends up, you know, it adds up. Yeah. We not, not really, it doesn't really <laughs> add up, but we buy a lot of snacks for the shop with the money. Um, so anyway, yeah, I don't love the system, but I think it's decent for the yeah, moment. Totally. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, thanks all for tuning in. You can find us at incremental CI on Instagram. Please continue tagging us in your improvements. It's fun to share. Um, a bunch of you have been messaging us, which is always fun to hear, uh, insights. A lot of people have a lot of very cool experience. Yeah. Um, so at Toyota, at other companies, you know, implementing a lot of these ideas in much bigger companies uh, or just different companies. Always fun to hear. So I really appreciate you guys uh, reaching out. Um, you can find me at austere underscore manufacturing also on Instagram. You can find me at Lichen, L-I-C-H-E-N underscore M-F-G on Instagram. And I think that's the show for the week. We'll talk to you all soon.